Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We are continuing our series, The Gospel Origins. Uh, Advent, it's the season we prepare for the arrival of Jesus. Uh, and so we've been looking at origin stories of the gospel. This fall, we introduced our new vision and direction for TFRC. The gospel is real. The gospel changes everything. Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. That's the gospel. And we are looking at origin stories of the gospel. And what do we mean by origin stories? Well, an origin story just simply answers the question, how did we get here? Uh, last month, the movie King Richard came out. It's um, about tennis superstars, Venus and Serena Williams. You could argue that Serena Williams is the best female tennis player ever. Uh, and the movie focuses on their father, Richard Williams, and how Richard brought up Venus and Serena in Compton, Compton, California, and from a young age had a plan for them to become professional tennis players, not something that you would necessarily expect to come out of Compton. Uh, he prepared them to dominate the sport of women's tennis. And so that movie, it's an origin story of Venus and Serena Williams. It tell, tells us uh, about the beginning of them becoming great tennis players. Christmas is an origin story of the gospel. It addresses the question about the gospel, how did we get here? It's the, Christmas is the story of our Savior's birth. And we've looked at different parts of the origin story of the gospel, the curse, the promise of a gift, the ancestry of Jesus. Well, one major piece of the Christmas story is the location. Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem. We just sang about it. Um, what was so special about Bethlehem? Why did God choose to have Jesus born there. Um, we're going back into the Old Testament to uncover a little more about this town, Bethlehem. Our scripture this morning is Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Uh, if you want to look it up on your phones, that's great too. Micah, if you're looking for it in your Bibles, it's a little harder to find. You've got to go to the end of the Old Testament. The Old Testament ends with a bunch of shorter books of prophets. Prophets like Zephaniah and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi. Uh, Micah is seven books from the end of the Old Testament. It's right between Jonah and Nahum. Um, this passage of scripture that we're about to hear actually appears in the Christmas story. When the Magi come to Jerusalem and ask, where is the one born king of the Jews? King Herod calls the chief priests and teachers of the law together and asks them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. And they answer that question by quoting Micah. Our scripture reader this morning is Marvin Barnes. Marvin, go ahead and make your way on up to the podium. As he does so, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We stand because we believe this is the Word of God, and we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. And so, Marvin, whenever you're ready, please read Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she, who is in labor, bears a son, 
and the rest of his brothers returned to join the Israelites. Marvin, thank you very much. You may be seated. Throughout history, whether world history or even our own personal histories, certain places take on significant meaning because of events that have happened in those places. They, these places become like holy places to us. Uh, there is this power of place. Pearl Harbor in Hawaii is one of those places because of what happened there on December 7th, 1941, uh, when the Japanese Navy attacked it. Uh, it is a place millions have visited. Uh, how many of you have been Pearl Harbor, Hawaii? Yep, okay. Um, the picture on the screen is a picture of the USS uh, Arizona Memorial. Uh, Shannon and I, uh, we went there on our 10th uh, wedding anniversary. Um, we went out to that memorial and there was still oil leaking out of the USS Arizona, rising to the surface when we were there. Learned about Pearl Harbor, heard about it my whole life. Um, and Shannon actually had a relative who was at Pearl Harbor during the attack, but being there connected me to that event in a way I can't explain. There was power in that place. Uh, the Dealey Plaza in Dallas, the location where uh, JFK was assassinated. Um, how many of you have ever been there? Okay, not as many of you. Um, uh, you may not be able to see it, but it's in, in the middle lane of the road. Um, in the foreground of the picture is an X. Um, uh, my father-in-law, he lives in Dallas, so we've been there a couple times. That X is where Kennedy was when he was shot. Um, and if you look at the building, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald shot from the sixth floor. Um, if you look at the far right corner window, second from the top, um, that's where he shot from. Again, heard about the JFK assassination my whole life. But going to that location connected me to it in a new way. There's power in that place. Uh, the 9-11 Memorial in New York. I have not been to the 9-11 Memorial in New York. Um, how many of you, anyone here been there? Okay, handful of you. Again, um, it's where the Twin Towers used to stand before 9-11. It is on my bucket list to go there someday. Um, but I would guess that going there would connect me to 9-11 in the same way these other places have. There is power in that place. Places like Pearl Harbor, Dealey Plaza, the 9-11 Memorial. These places have power for us as Americans because of what happened there. But all of us, all of us have places that have deep personal meaning to us. In Wisconsin, in the house that I grew up in, has meaning to me. The school that I attended to as a kid, that building has meaning to me. In Riverside, California, there's a place on Riverside City College campus. It's called the Quad. And it's where the guys from Campus Crusade shared the four spiritual laws with me. That place has meaning to me. Um, also in Riverside, there's a place called Castle Park. It's where Shannon and I had our first date. We went miniature golfing there. In case you're wondering, I lost, okay? Um, it's right off the 91 freeway, if you're familiar with that. It's not far from where my daughter Leanne goes to college. It's not far from where my parents live. And so um, whenever we go down to California, we will drive by it and we will point it out to our children. Hey, there's Castle Park. Did we tell you mom and I had our first date there? Have we ever mentioned that to you? Yes, dad, like a thousand times. Okay, just making sure. Kids love it when we tell them that. It's great. The power of place. 
Some places have special meaning because of what happened there. Well, what happened in Bethlehem? That God chose it to be the place where Jesus was born. What special meaning does Bethlehem have? Well, Bethlehem was the city of David, the city of David. Going back to verse 2 in the passage where it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now, when um, Micah, when this was written, when Micah prophesied this, um, there had already been a ruler who had come from Bethlehem for all of Israel. And um, his name was King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. David was born in Bethlehem about a thousand years before Jesus. And as a teenager, David defeated the giant Goliath. David would go on to unite the 12 tribes of Israel into one nation. David would conquer Jerusalem and make it his capital. David would bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. David would defeat Israel's longtime enemies, the Philistines. He would also go on to defeat places like Ammon and Moab and Syria, bringing a lasting peace to Israel. And he prepared all of what was needed in order for the temple to be built by his son Solomon. He basically led Israel from being a hodgepodge band of tribes into a mighty nation, putting Israel on the map as a force to be reckoned with. Now David was the second king of Israel. The first king was King Saul. And God would reject King Saul because of Saul's disobedience. And while Saul was still king, God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint a new king. And God sends Samuel to a little town called Bethlehem. He sends him to a man named Jesse. Now Jesse has eight sons. And one of his sons is going to be the new king. And we read about this in 1 Samuel 16. Let me read for you. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? While they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, well, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David was the youngest of eight brothers. His father, Jesse, didn't even consider showing him to Samuel. But God chooses David to be the next king. And he probably wasn't much older than 12 when God anointed him king. And what was David doing? Before his father called him. Well, David was out 
watching the sheep. David was a shepherd. And while David was a great and mighty warrior, he is also known as the shepherd king. He didn't just rule over his people. He gathered them together, made them one nation, and he shepherded them. David was also known for something else. Outside of Jesus, David received what I considered to be the greatest compliment in the entire Bible. God said David was a man after God's own heart. How cool would that be? For God to say, you are a man, you are a woman after my own heart. So in the town of Bethlehem, David the shepherd boy is anointed king, a man after God's own heart. And so Jesus comes as the king of kings. Jesus comes as the good shepherd. Jesus comes with a heart like the father's heart. And it makes all the sense in the world that he would be born in the city of David, born in Bethlehem. I also find it an interesting coincidence. This is a little bit of a side note, but I find it an interesting coincidence. Again, what was David doing before he was called to be anointed king? He was out shepherding in the fields. He was a shepherd in the fields. And when Jesus was born, the very first people to be told about the Savior's birth were shepherds out in the fields. David was shepherding out in the fields when he was called to be anointed king. Shepherds out in the fields were the first ones to be told about the newborn king Jesus. That is a really interesting coincidence. Um, Bethlehem has another moment that is significant to its history. It predates the birth of David by about 900 years. David is 1,000 years before Jesus. This event is going to predate David by 900 years. Um, Bethlehem is a city of birth and death. I'm just going to read verse 3 from the passage again. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. Again, 900 years before King David was born in Bethlehem, there's a story about a birth and a death near Bethlehem. Last week, I talked about Jacob's family and how Jacob's family was messed up in its makeup. Uh, here's that chart again to try to keep track of Jacob's family. Jacob is the patriarch, patriarch whose name God changes to Israel, which is where the nation of Israel gets its name. Jacob, or Israel, has 12 sons, and those sons are the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob has these 12 sons with four different women, his two wives, Rachel and Leah, and their two servants, Bilhah and Zilpah. Now, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, who's in the blue, but Jacob was tricked into marrying her sister, Leah, who's in the red. And so he ends up marrying both of them. But his true love was Rachel. Rachel was the love of his life. She was his favored wife. Rachel, however, has problems having kids. And it's not until Jacob has 10 sons from Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah that Rachel finally has two sons. 
Her first son is Joseph, the one who would receive the coat of many colors. Her second son born to her, to Rachel, is Benjamin. Benjamin played a significant role in our story with Judah last week. And here is the account of Benjamin's birth from Genesis 35. Then they moved on from Bethel. And while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you will have another son. And as she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But his father named him Benjamin. And so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. It's a tragic story. The favored wife of Jacob dies giving birth to her second son. But I just want to point something out. Think Christmas story here and see if this sounds familiar. What does this sound like? A favored woman expecting a child traveling to Bethlehem. Does that ring a bell in the Christmas story at all? Uh, yeah, that's Mary. That sounds just like Mary. The angel Gabriel greets Mary by calling her, you who are highly favored. And Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem when she is expecting. The difference between Mary and Rachel is Mary arrives in Bethlehem to give birth. Rachel never makes it there. She dies, giving birth on the way, and is buried near Bethlehem. To this day, people will still travel to Bethlehem to see the tomb of Rachel. And while Mary survives her trip and giving birth, the Christmas story is not without significant death. The Micah passage that was read today Again, it was read to Herod when the Magi came, asking to see the newborn king of the Jews. And after the Magi leave Herod and see the baby um, and then leave again, the story continues in Matthew chapter 2. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And so in this town, where Rachel basically dies and is buried. It's that town that this tragedy happens. And the scripture says, it is Rachel who weeps at the death of the children. The same Rachel who died giving birth there, Bethlehem. It's a city of birth. It's a city of death. And the theme of birth and death is fitting for Jesus. Because Jesus was born to die in our place. So, of course, the one who comes, the one who is born to die, will be born in the city known for a birth that leads to death. One last thing about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the city 
of bread. Bread represents what God gives us so we can live. Bread is what nourishes us. Bread is what God gave the Israelites so that they could survive in the desert for 40 years. And even Jesus had um, numerous encounters with bread, the most famous one being feeding 5,000 people with bread. And Bethlehem, the word Beth means house. Lahem means bread. Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. Bread is what God gives us so that we can live. And Bethlehem is the house of bread. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Jesus came so that we could live. Live as God intended us to live before the fall, before the curse. The bread of life was born in the house of bread, born to die in our place in the city of birth and death, born to be the king of kings in the city of the greatest king. Jesus, born in Bethlehem. Please pray with me. And Lord, as we have come this morning to worship the King of Kings, Lord, we are mindful of your um, dying in our place, the hope that it gives us. And Lord, as we remember the Christmas season, I would ask you to renew in our hearts and spirits the joy that Jesus came to bring. In whose name we pray, amen. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.